In the town of Superstition, Arizona, nothing is quite as it seems, and everybody has a secret. Here at the Superstition Daily Caller, we like secrets. We collect them, and today, we're going to share one with you. Jacqueline St. James is new in town. Not an easy thing to be. In a town so small, you might walk right through someone and out the other side, and not know the impact until after it happened. Sometimes, you just have to get some advice. Like this. You want to know a story. <laughs> the strangest one I've got. I guess I've got a few. Did you know I sold cars for a while? It was legal, mostly. Or that I worked on a horse ranch one summer. I had an affair and everything. Very broke back mountain. I guess that's not what you mean, though. Got told a lot of stories as a kid. Comes with the cultural baggage when your religion is a bunch of dead people playing logic games. There's a tale in the Talmud about walking trees. Another about angels killing the Supreme Court. But you could read those stories in a book. You don't have to hear them from me. Let's see. <laughs> I went to have my fortune read yesterday. It's one of those things you do, I guess, when you don't know what the fuck to do next. There's a lady who does it in town. I met her at the bar last week. Not a bad place to meet people. Guess I thought I might learn something concrete that way. Not about myself, no. <laughs> I don't want to know anything more about myself than I already do. I don't care what color my aura is, and my chakras are pretty hopelessly out of whack. But I thought... I mean, it's superstition, right? I've gotten answers in weirder ways. So, yeah. I went to a tarot card reader. I found her the old-fashioned way. She'd pinned a flyer up to the bulletin board in the bar, and I'd had a few drinks. After the last few weeks, I think you can forgive me. I'd been reading her flyer when she tapped me on the shoulder, so I decided to do it then and there, and followed her back to her office, if you can call it that. A room, tucked behind the coffee shop across the street. Bead curtain, a big abstract painting of some boobs on the wall. She was about what I expected, too. Lots of beads and bangles and giant glasses and curls. Her name is Florence, because of course it is. Her family's from these parts, she says. I've been hearing that a lot. Not to judge, but my guess is that somewhere down the line, they came from somewhere else. Somewhere where people are prone to freckles. Most people do come here from somewhere that isn't here. Except for the people who were here first, of course. And the second group of people really like to talk like they've got claims to something other than a predisposition for skin cancer and racism. Not that I can talk. I don't know where my family began, exactly. That happens when your family line is interrupted by mysterious disappearances. That's a family tradition, I guess, and I can't blame it all on pogroms and Nazism. Florence didn't think that was very funny, though. She wanted to engage in small talk. I can tell by looking at you that you're new in town, she says. Is that your psychic intuition? I ask. No, she says. Kathy, who owns the hotel, is her cousin. And she dated Simon Millay in high school. 
not a factoid I needed to hear today. I didn't expect very much the usual gobbledygook. An obstacle in your path will be revealed. Uh, nope. You'll receive some news you've been expecting. I guess that's not a lie, exactly. You will meet a tall, dark stranger. Yeah, I got that covered on my own. But I have a question, and I want an answer. Florence shows me her deck of cards. It's beautiful, I guess. Hand-painted cards, each the size of my hand, soft from years of use. 78 different cards that all mean different things. Every one different, and made with love and precision. She puts the stack face down, she lights a candle that smells like a hotel bathroom, and she asks me to pick one. I hold my breath. It seems like the right thing to do. The card is soft under my finger. She hasn't asked me to say anything out loud, but I feel like I need to. I think, tell me what happened to my mother. I think it's so hard that I get a headache. That could have been the well whiskey from earlier. There's a low, slow moment of perfect stillness and clarity. I pick a card. It's not hard. It seems to leap into my hand. And then I flip it over and lay it face up on the velvet-covered table. It's the fool. The drawings of a woman in a bright yellow vest walking cheerfully right off of a cliff. It looks a little bit like the cemetery mound outside of town. Blue sky and red dirt. New beginnings, she says. Beginner's luck, improvisation, and spontaneity. You don't know what to expect, and you're believing that the universe, plus a little ingenuity, will provide. You've taken a leap of faith. <laughs> Go figure, right? I pick another card. And it's the fool. Again. This time, the figure on the card's in green, and she's posing dramatically in front of a shiny car with an exorbitant price written on its windshield in white paint. She's got a curly head of hair and a big, shit-eating grin that says, I'm trying to sell you a stolen vehicle. And I plucked her out of the deck, upside down. Florence looks like someone's stolen her dental fillings at the speed of sound. I don't think she's ever seen that card before. There's only supposed to be one of each. You have poor judgment, she says. A lack of direction. With you comes stupidity and chaos. Your actions will end only in folly. Great! Someone's been reading my diary. So, I draw another one. Another fool. This one's posing cheekily on a fence on a horse ranch in Montana. She has a bad undercut and a big nose, like I did at 23. The card can't be upside down because the art's been printed sideways. Florence stares at my nose, then at the card's nose. I really think she's about to kick me out, but instead she pushes the deck towards me one more time. The fool. A fourth time. She's in black and she's picking a lock on the office door of the chief of police of superstition. Yeah, there's nothing ambiguous about that. Florence grabs the deck back and flips through it fast. Fool, fool, fool. 
every single card that has been filled with chariots and wands and magicians, just a litany of fools in increasingly compromising situations. I've ruined this woman's tarot deck. And this little old lady, she looks at me over her massacred deck of cards filled with all the nasty particulars of my idiotic life. I wonder if I should ask if I can keep them? I wonder if I should ask her not to spread any rumors about me. I mean, my dad's officially dead, so he won't be shocked by the incredibly detailed rendering of me snorting cocaine in a gas station in Montana. But someone might be. Maybe I should just bite the bullet and get it framed. That has to pass for private eye credentials. I mean, it did for a whole bunch of male literary heroes. Florence is still looking at me. Really hard. I'm about to open my mouth to say something. Anything. Literally anything at all to break the silence. Hey, I, I'm the town hero, I'll say. I did get stabbed a few weeks ago by a guy you dated in high school. I'll pay to replace your deck? Don't try to run me out of town. But the expression on her face is too arresting. Finally, Florence adjusts her giant glasses so the glass beads on her wrist chime, and she clears her throat, and she goes, Look, there's nothing metaphorical about this situation. You're a fool, and whatever you're about to do is destined for disaster. Both you and the universe knows it. It says so in the cards. What do I do then? I ask. I have no idea, she says. Your path forward is uncertain. You're standing on the edge of a wave of great chaos. Change has no value and no morality. There is no way to know what will survive this or what will be sacrificed. There is no foundation with which to predict what you will have to give to keep things as they are. There is no point in being scared. It is going to happen no matter what you do. And you can choose to fight it or to fall into the embrace of the wide and chaotic universe. Your fate hinges on your ability to choose the right way forward. And your track record isn't very promising. You and your mother have that in common. I was hoping for some directions, I say, or maybe an address. Don't blame me, she says. I'm just telling you what this says. She glares at me. How much do I owe you then? I ask. Get the fuck out, she says, and slams the door in my face. It occurred to me, as I stumbled out onto the street, that her answer was pretty ambiguous. She assumed that message was about me, or for me, but communication is a two-way street, and I'm not sure what channels are open, or who may be listening. Long after I've turned the corner and left her behind, I realize I'd never told her anything about my mother. Thank you for listening to this mini-episode of Superstition. Unlimited Potential stars Kira Apple as Jack St. James, with Dallas Munio as Duncan. It was written and edited by Sarah Cole. Have you seen something interesting in the cards recently? Or do you just want to tell us about the show? Leave a review on iTunes, and we're on Twitter at Pod Superstition. And as always, thank you for listening.